Spock! Spock! What, sir? It's time! Oh, no. We talked about this. Oh, yes! Join me as we celebrate our 50th episode through song! Uh... Spock, terrible things keep happening every week, and we have to find ways to spark joy. And this sparks joy for me. But what about what sparks joy for me, sir? Shh! Sing! Happy, Happy pod, pod Day to Us! Happy Pod Day to, day to us. us! Happy, Happy pod, pod Day, dear Starship Therapies! Happy Pod Day to us! Happy Day to us! <laughs> Can we, Yay. can we please start the show and never speak of this again? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Laura Sagarski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And I can't believe I've done this 50 times. If I'd had to sing every episode, I would not have made it here. <laughs> just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Well said, sir. 50th episode! Woo! Boop uh, Thank you, friends at home, for uh, having patience. We, we know that we, mm. we gave you the 49 and a half episode. Um, we just felt like we needed to... to to have a sadness um unfortunately sad shit just keeps happening it just um, keeps on rolling right and we just we just can't talk about it every time it happens at least not on the pod of course we're acknowledging it yes. in other areas of our life and yes. we encourage you to do so and as someone who also consumes like podcasts in different forms of um media i find that I, as a viewer and a listener, do need a break sometimes from staring into the void. And if this is how you're feeling, then this is the pod for you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much to all of our listeners who sent in questions for us, either um, commented on our social media or DM'd us. You, you are a smart and inquisitive bunch, as we knew you were. <laughs> we just don't always see you. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and the plan for today is, I'm, I'm just going to shout out some questions 
and and then uh, and then we're going to answer them and we're going to get to as many as we can in our, you know, I mean, allotted time. There, There's no such thing. But like, but until we get tired. Right. No, and, I think that's good. <laughs> and if we don't get to any of your questions, we apologize. We can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have further questions, you can just like send them to us. Right. And we'll and, and engage with again. us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe for episode 100, maybe sooner. It kind of wow. depends on what 5781 has in store for us, you know? Yeah. Oh, happy 5781. Yeah. Happy 5781. No. May it be a gentler year. Mm-hmm. Sweeter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, first up, how did you decide to start a podcast? How did we decide to start a podcast? Um, well, that, that was, that was some beautiful, uh, therapeutic. That was a real therapeutic. Like, let's just like repeat the question back, but in slightly, um, slower language. (laughs) Not even different language. You just deliver it just a little bit slower. Right. And then like the, (laughs) the other person's like, hmm, okay, they're not going to answer. Um, (laughs) So it is absolutely how I buy time sometimes in session. If I need a minute to like gather my thoughts, I'm just like, I repeat it back. Sometimes I throw it back um, when I do have a a big idea, Mm. but I don't want to be imposing my big idea. I want to know what is happening with the person asking the question first. Sure. Hmm. I think I've seen you do that before. Right? Like, yeah. they ask the question, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I so have an answer for that. But that's not going to be useful. No, no. If I just straight up answer it. Sometimes um, I'll do that. Or I'll be like, I'm going to do that therapist thing where I'm going to answer your question with a question, but I promise we'll circle back to your question. <laughs> um, so that was the longest preamble <laughs> to answering this question. God, it um, certainly was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Sorry, everyone. There's no way we're getting through all these questions. <laughs> if this is this is how we're starting. Um, I do remember how we decided to start a podcast. I think it was my recollection is that it was my idea, and that I, I think that I think that's accurate, and that I pitched it to you in part because it was right. It was right around maybe it was a, within the first like six months that my partner and I had relocated to Chicago, and I was just like desperately lonely. Um, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to move to a new city as an adult, um, which is something I learned moving here to Chicago because the only other time that I'd really moved, I'd stayed in state, but it it was a move was like during college. Mm -hmm. And when you move in college, you're moving into this artificial community where you have so many opportunities to meet people. Mm -hmm. And when you move to a new city without a job, which is what I did, you don't have nearly as many opportunities so one day when i was sitting at home watching supernatural i was right because we were uh we were gearing up to write the the supernatural psychology book Mm -hmm. yep it was first of i suppose it was the first big writing gig that you and i did together Mm -hmm. gosh yep yep yeah for for dr langley for dr langley dr travis langley Mm -hmm. gosh we love superherologist yeah uh 
the only psychologist with over 100,000 followers on Twitter. Wow. Isn't that a fun fact? That is a fun fact. I would imagine that, that makes Travis very happy. I think it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've, I hope so. I mean, it would make me very happy. Yeah, it would make you very happy. Part of me is like, let's sit Travis down and be like, Travis, how have you done it? Um, but again, getting back to the question. So one day I was sitting at home, <laughs> I was feeling lonely. I was watching Supernatural and I was like, you know what? Justine and I could do a podcast. <laughs> and I was partially inspired because my partner, I just started to get into uh, the Greatest Generation podcast. Which, um, if listeners know, this is a podcast starring Ben and Adam, and they rewatch they rewatch Next Generation, and now they're rewatching DS9, and that's why my partner and I are rewatching DS9. And let me tell you, it's been a journey. Um, but at any <laughs> rate, so I knew about these guys. Their podcast, their shtick was that they watch one episode and then they review it together, and they live in different cities. And I was like, oh, that's like me and my best friend, except we're therapists. So how could we make that into a podcast? Wow. I I don't remember any of this. I don't know if I Uh, told you a lot of this, honestly. (laughs) I think my pitch was, we should do a podcast. It'll, it'll like give us an opportunity to hang out and it will continue to like boost our visibility because this Mm -hmm. was also the beginning of what has become our book that is in pre-orders right now. Our book is in pre-orders. We're going to include, we're going to include a link in the liner notes. And you can pre-order at so many places, but we're going to highlight indie bookstores in the liner notes. Yeah, but you can pre- you can pre-order wherever you want, and it's like a gift to yourself because it's not coming out to the spring. And isn't it fun when you pre-order something and you forget, and then just one day you come home and there's a book. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. And you know what? Maybe you have friends, family, relatives, distant relatives who also would want to come home <laughs> to a fabulous <laughs> gift on May the fourth. You can pre-order it for them too, friends. Oh, because you know what this is? You are you are getting ready to gift people on Star Wars Day 2021. Mm-hmm. And isn't that isn't that wonderful? It is wonderful. Um, yeah, I I don't know that you did verbalize all of this background information about the podcast. All I remember is you were like, we should do a podcast, and so we we kind of we had to throw some ideas around for a while to be like, okay, but like, what would we podcast about? Yeah. I'll remember our first episode. It was like 15 minutes. <laughs> we scripted the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Uh, you and I mm. talked about that a, f- a few eps ago. Yeah. We talked about, you know, how things get better over time. They do. They do. Indeed, they do. This podcast is like a fine wine aged in an oak barrel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kept in a dry, cool place free of mold and moisture. Shh. Chateau therapies. <laughs> um, I remember like early on our biggest sort of not really disagreement, but maybe a slight kerfuffle was how we were going to spell therapies because I was like, it should be a Z. And you were like, no, it's an S. And we just sort of went back and forth like that for a while. And you won as you knew you would. Well, I, th- I mean, I hoped I would. <laughs> yes. Because I, well, because therapize with a Z is, of course, correct mm-hmm. in the, you know, faux vernacular. Sure. Like pretending that therapize is even a word. We made that up too. But but I was like, but it's after enterprise. And enterprise has an S. Yes. So therapize has to have an S. And what it took, friends at home, is our our wonderful um, artist who we 
contracted with to make mm-hmm. our cover art, Catherine Mandicant Duthie, she had to create two different designs, one God, with an S I forgot about and one that. with a Z. And I was like, which one do you think looks better? Wow. And universally, everyone was like, well, of course the S looks better. And I'm like, I know. You're welcome. <laughs> wow. I did not remember that we had to go to such lengths to to settle this, mm-hmm. but we certainly did. Oh, mm-hmm. there's a siren. Uh, Hold on. Yes. I was like, Mandy Cat, could you please... Could you please make this with both an S and a Z? My gosh, God bless her. Um, this is mm-hmm. reminding me of the other time. Well, the only other time I can think of that this happened is for one of our drawings for our book with Jay. The epic, <laughs> the question of the sword <laughs> and warrior pose. Oh, my God. <sighs> and, like, I do feel a little better about that because, like, in this example of therapies, looking back, I'm like, God, you were just being ridiculous, Larissa. This one I don't feel as, like, I was evidently being ridiculous because our illustrator was also confused. He was confused in the way I was confused. And it was making me so upset because I'm like, I know I'm right. Why won't you just believe me? Jay and I were just really confused. We didn't visualize it. And then when you showed me the picture after you, like, and you had to explain it to him a number of times. But once Mm -hmm. I saw it, I was like, oh, that's what you meant. And you were kind of, like, head in desk. Um, But you know, like, look, I kn- what was the most frustrating about that situation <laughs> was that I was like, I know that you're confused. Yeah. How can I help you not be confused? You're like, I'm not confused. I just don't like it. And I was like, I'm so I know it lasted upset. For, it lasted for weeks. <laughs> it, yeah. You know, but here's the thing. Yeah, no, it just, yeah, it just lasted for weeks, that confusion. And I was going to, like, be defensive, but now I'm like, there's no need to be defensive. It was, a, we were writing a book. We, there was a lot going no, on. No, there was a lot going on. We can laugh about it now. We we sure we, can. Cause we were not laughing about it at the time. We, we were. We can laugh about we it We can now. laugh about it now, and you can know that in both both instances, you were in the right all along. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I could laugh if I knew I was in the wrong. So, <laughs> bully to you. <laughs> See, it takes something special to be a first officer. <laughs> special skills. Um, so that's how we decided to start a podcast. That is. Wow, that took us like 17 minutes. So let's let's uh let's on to question number two. Okay. Um this is a fun one. What unexpected benefits have you gained from doing the show? Guesting on other people's pods, I think, is probably the the top one. I've really, really enjoyed that. We've met a lot of, like, really cool people and Mm -hmm. hopefully just will continue to meet cool people um, as we continue. But I've really, really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super fun. That's Yeah, that's not something I had imagined doing either. So that is an unexpected benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been on people's podcasts before um, to talk about various things mm-hmm. usually yoga um <laughs> yeah. no that's real well no but you know since doing the podcast i get a lot more invitations to talk about therapy stuff because yeah. i i think now people have heard that and i i would imagine it's similar for you you can tell me if it's not but folks have now heard us and they know that we're funny because it's one well 
right? It's one yeah. thing to have a, like a social media presence mm-hmm. where you say funny things or you like mm-hmm. or or you seem funny, right? But it's quite another thing to hear people talk and be like, oh, so off the cuff, they can say shit that's actually, you know, funny and charming and smart. Um, So I want them to be on my show so that people also enjoy funny, charming smartness on on my program as well. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time that that really hit home was um, we were on Jamie Madigan's podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were doing that for the Psychology of Zelda book. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it must have been like the the next or subsequent episodes that one of my other co-writers um, was on. I think Emery S. Daniel, if I'm remembering right. Mm-hmm. And like they were talking about how we'd been on like the, I don't know, the previous week or maybe a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And Jimmy was like, oh yeah, they were a hoot. <laughs> oh yeah, he called us a hoot. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, we are funny. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it, it's a delight no matter what. It's it's delightful to listen to funny people. Mm-hmm. But also, the, uh, psychology has a real dullness problem. Yeah. Like the field of psychology has a real dullness problem. And it's, that's fair. Like the, you do a lot of academic work. It takes a lot of effort. A lot of people get their funny kind of beat out of them yeah. after writing all those papers. That's true. Especially uh, if you go like for a PhD or a PsyD. And let me be clear, I am not knocking either one of those programs. I am not trying no, to be negative and, about people who go forth in those endeavors. What I am going to say in general is that right, PhD, a sweeping generalization. A sweeping generalization is that many PhD or PsyD programs, any doctorate level programs, they have a tendency to take the fun out of Mm -hmm. the endeavor. And it's part of why, like I'm thinking about like some of the research that we've done for our book and other articles that we've written, like you will go to read an article on something that should be really fun, like video games or parasocial relationships and television shows. Mm -hmm. And the first word that would come to mind to describe it is not fun. (laughs) you know like i'm able to find the fun but that's because like my reading tends to be a little bit drier Mm -hmm. you know like of like the war and peace (laughs) left tolstoy variety (laughs) yeah i don't i don't even try anymore i well because i get so mad because like now when you find something you're like this will be great for you to read larissa you're like i think you're really good (laughs) to enjoy this you can do this for the next one yeah, you, this it. is for this is for you, mm-hmm. because like the folks still have some. You can tell that the whimsy's still in there, mm-hmm. right? Because like they'll have a quippy title or something, right? And I'm like, this is ah, look, there's a pun in that title. The, the whimsy is here, right? But but what you realize then when you get to the end of that 20 page PDF is that mm. it was just the one pun. <laughs> The only one person, pun and done. One pun and done. The only person I can think of who's readily coming to mind who has not fallen into this trap is um, mm-hmm. Irving Yalom. Really? Yeah. I thought. I thought like you know for what they were, and maybe it's because the last time I read Yalom, I was literally in grad school. Mm-hmm. But like at least compared compared to the other things that we were being assigned to read, like I remember reading Irving Yalom's like book on group therapy. And being like, wow, this is so interesting. He's really trying to tell a story. Hmm. 
But I can tell by your reaction that this might have been unique to me. No, I just, I literally don't remember much about reading Yalom. Because um, I did most of my Yalom reading in first grad school. So that's, that's oh, 10 years ago now. Sure, that's a long time. We're, and I, know. you know, yeah. I'm like, I remember... No, I, that's fair. I remember not hating reading his shit. Yeah. And there are some people shit I hated reading. Right. And that's so. kind of what I mean. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't so, the style wasn't, it was more neutral to positive. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I feel about Michael White. And yes. David Epstein. Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's not a laugh a minute. Um, But you know what it's not? It's not Murray Bowen. Mm-hmm. whose only book I did indeed purchase and I read part of it um eventually I'm I plan to finish it but it is it reads like a night a man living in the 1950s with a PhD wrote it <laughs> it is it is as advertised it is ad- as, as advertised and it was also like part of how they try to sell it to you um, mm-hmm. on thriftbooks.com where I purchased it is that like the only book Murray Bowen ever wrote and then when I got it and I started reading it I was like that makes sense <laughs> and not and I'm really not I know it sounds like I'm being hard on Murray Bowen and I kind of am but like I don't mean to drag him or anything like Murray is great he's definitely one of the founding mm-hmm. fathers of marriage and family therapy he had many wonderful ideas and other people wrote about them and made them a little bit more um understandable yeah yeah that's legit i mean we've we've talked about this with uh with joseph campbell and with young as well like the, those guys had great ideas they also needed an editor and perhaps a ghost writer buddy they definitely needed a co-writer mm-hmm. you know i do think it is a great tragedy that young and freud never wrote anything together at least not to my knowledge mm. i feel like they would have been a very interesting writing duo Oh, uh, do you think it would have been like you and me? Um, if they could have gotten over their egos. Because mm. I think really that as far as the research I've done, I think that's a huge part of what destroyed them. They just couldn't get over themselves. Yeah. And they really and struggled with vulnerability with one another. That's a real problem. And that's a real problem. You need to be able to be vulnerable with your writing partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and as much as I play up my ego... Um, and I mean, do have one, right. clearly. Um, we all do. Like when, well, right. I mean, oh, people shit on the ego. The ego is just a sense of self. Mm-hmm. Like I have a strong sense of self. Why is that so bad? You're right. <laughs> You're right. It's well said. <laughs> but also, I think you and I have come up with a really nice way to, I mean, the drawing of Arya Stark notwithstanding. <laughs> we <laughs> we found a really good way of talking to each other about, like, what are hills we want to die on and mm-hmm. what are hills that we don't care about. Mm-hmm. And if the other one cares about it, you know, like, if I'm just, I'm like, I will die on the hill that is this semicolon. And you're like, I could give two shits about that semicolon. I'm like, the semicolon lives. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, and I feel like as we've continued in our writing process together, we've really we've sort of continued to grow that and develop that. So like sometimes mm-hmm. when we're working on a project, like the most recent blog post that you wrote for psychology today, um, mm-hmm. 
which I do just want to acknowledge, listeners, that we are aware of what's happening in terms of psychology today, and we are talking to folks and thinking about things, and we'll circle back to that at a later date. Yeah, we do not have the brain space to deal with one more drama right now. No. Um, so we're sort of low-key working mm -hmm. on it. But to go back to the blog post that you did about Titanic, you did such a great job of, like, when you sent it to me to take a look at, of letting me know that this was very important to you. And mm -hmm. there were certain things you really wanted to hold on to. And there were certain things that you were like, can you just clean up these other areas? And I was like, yeah, mm -hmm. I can totally do that. Right. Yeah. I was like, I am. Here are things that I am married to. <laughs> here are things that I'm not married to. And when there were things because there were some really wonderful facts that you sort of wove in there in this very using really lovely mm. poetic language. And when I when I gave it a second pass, I was like, oh, I think we might have to take this out. Knowing in advance how much that meant to you helped me then when we talked about it, be able to say like, hey, I know you really like this part. Here's where I'm thinking we should take it out. I was able to come to it with extra sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and, and what I what I really like is that we're we're starting to get a shorthand mm -hmm. to be able to express to the other one something. Like uh friends at home. <laughs> Sometimes when when Spock's feeling really down about the state of the world. <laughs> She starts talking about the company Zara. Oh, that's that's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> and they're just absolutely Awful. terrible working conditions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's become the the shorthand is you're getting a little Zara slave ship right now. <laughs> Right. No. And it's awful. And we do. We have that shorthand where you're like, you are able to look at me. And sometimes our producer does it. And you both are like, <laughs> oh, we've. And then I'll be like, oh, have I jumped the shark? Have I jumped over the Zara slave ships? And you're both like, yes, yes. And there is a chapter in our book where that we had a lot of those dialogues. And I remember when we first wrote this particular <laughs> chapter, I wanted to like keep going. And you said to me, you were like, I need a break. If you want to keep working on this for, for today, you can, but I need a break and I'm taking a break. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you were able to use that same language back at me when we recorded the last ep. Oh, I, yes. Because I went off on a tangent that friends at home, you didn't hear no. because... <laughs> Because it was it was too it was it got, it was, it got really dark. Like you were like so looking dark. you were looking into the abyss and suddenly the abyss was looking into you. <laughs> and there was a sort of enmeshment that was happening and we just we just pulled you out of there. Yeah. Literally you paused, like you hadn't said anything in a while. <laughs> I had just been oh, that's so talking. <laughs> and you're like, hey, you're you're getting a little Zara slave ship. And I was like, am I? Oh, okay. Was that too much? Like, yeah, it was too much. Like, okay, how far back do we need to go? It's like 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't actually think it was that long. No, it wasn't but... 20 minutes. Our producer was just like, no, it wasn't 20. It was like five. Like a real <laughs> five. Um, and like, we definitely have gotten way, way off, off piste, as the British say, or maybe the French, because that's a French word. But I only ever hear uh, my UK beauty bloggers use it. I've really gotten off piece now. 
bring it all the way back to the initial question, which is what unexpected benefits have you gained from doing the show? I certainly oh, didn't yes. lead with I think, this. I think we're still on it. I think because I, yeah, mm-hmm. I consider all of these things we're talking about to be unexpected benefits of doing the show. Yes. And the one I wanted to highlight is that mm-hmm. early on, the idea of speaking in public at a convention mm-hmm. caused me enormous amounts of stress and anxiety Mm. um but because and so one of the benefits of doing the podcast is that because like we're practicing i mean obviously we don't you know listeners you're not here in either of our living rooms but we're practicing public speaking and dialogue on a regular basis because of doing the show Mm -hmm. and so when we did our first training relating to therapy related to therapeutic fan fiction this last week Mm-hmm. While I was still nervous about it, I was able to be much calmer because one of the things I said to myself is like, listen, you're just having a conversation with Justine. You do that every week. Mm-hmm. You have a professional therapeutic dialogue with her every week. This is no different. You can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's it's been very it's been very fun for me to watch you kind of have that journey. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I've been in front of people for a long time. You have. And and it's not something that causes me a particular amount of distress because, you know, because of my strong sense of self. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, but I, you know, it, I remember how hard it was in the beginning mm-hmm. to kind of get you to to be seen. Yes. You know, like, mm-hmm. okay, so here's the deal. Like, this is both of us. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. It's not the me show. No. You know, so can, you know, can you snap a picture of yourself that I'm going to put on Instagram? Right? And I remember the first time you asked me to do that, I was like, I don't know. And I and I really didn't know. Yeah. 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 And now I'm just like, and yeah, that's fine. Like, you asked me, you asked me earlier today, can I post this now? And I was like, yeah, sure. That's fine. Why would you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that was a great moment for me to be like, oh, wow. Yeah. I've come a ways with this. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, yeah, there, there was absolutely a time because you uh, were recording this on, on a Sunday, hashtag self-care Sunday. So I was posting on Insta what we were up to on our Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, so you sent me a picture of the beautiful oh brunch God. that Brian made and your sea as always, of beverages. And, <laughs> and I do. I remember a time when you might have been like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. Right. Mm-hmm. What are, are people going to judge my beverages? Right. Well, and I mean, thank goodness. That I don't you, know if that's what was coming up for you. I think, in, I think in part. And I think the other piece was like, am I judging my beverages somewhere? And that's, <laughs> that's quite a thing to sit with. But more what's hitting me now is that for you, you were very, very patient with me, even mm-hmm. at times when I'm sure it was quite when it took some energy to be patient. And it was also to a certain extent, like it was a maybe, well, maybe it was somewhat of a risk, right? Because like when we started the pod, that was this idea that like we were going to go forth and build, build this thing and build this out and work on all these mm-hmm. projects. And you were doing that with someone who initially out of the gate was like, hold on while I have a panic attack. And then and I'll, I'll meet you. I'll meet you at the table in front of the people at the convention. Just I'll be fine. Don't worry. Right. Mm. And so you really had to be like, okay, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to trust that she is going to work on this. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. did. Well, hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wanted, I wanted you to come with me. Yeah. And I, you know, wasn't going to rush it. Hmm. And there's, oh, you know, there's shit I don't like to do. That's true. <laughs> like read those awful journal articles. Those awful journal articles, or that are the chapter you and I wrote together for Psychology of Zelda that had so many copy edits. Oh, Mike, I it, let let me tell you, friends at home, if you have never written a book, so many more people read it and give you feedback than you think there are. Yes. And, gonna, and in this case, yeah. there were even more there were than I've ever had before. There were so many people. It got to the point where, like, the draft I was working on, I remember, like, there were, because we use Microsoft Word, and that's what most um, most publishing houses use. And so they had the comments on, you had to keep them on. But there were so it was like a rainbow. <laughs> a rainbow of track changes, because that was the number of different people who'd gone in to do changes. Oh, right? it was bad. It was so bad. I mean, it was well, all and worthwhile. The chapter's great. Oh, right. No, the outcome was fine. Mm -hmm. It was the, that process. The journey. And, you know, and some people had never played Zelda. Yeah. And they were commenting from a perspective of someone who had never played. <gasps> and then someone asked me why it was important to mention that Nancy Boyd Franklin, who is a widely regarded mm -hmm. uh, black therapist who specializes in the black experience as mm -hmm. well as you know being a BIPOC person um, they were like why is it important to mention that she's African-American I was like I will die on this hill just leave it <laughs> like, and, I, and like what came back was I guess if that's important to you and like you were so you were so angry and i was no, like, I was like you talk to them i can't talk yeah, right. to them i was like i'll just i'll i'll handle this and you were like great thank you <laughs> like, yeah i mean the the last thing i want to say yes. of unexpected benefits is that we we have had the opportunity to formulate what we want to write in a book yeah yeah that's real you know, I don't mm -hmm. know that it's unexpected exactly. Like, that was part of the plan. Right. But what is unexpected is the way that it turned out. Yes. Like, I don't, the book that we wrote is not the book that was in my mind initially. No. Remember the original title? Uh, no. Our Fandoms Ourselves. Our Fandoms Ourselves! <laughs> and I think about that now, and part of me cringes because I'm like, oh, no, that would never have worked as a title. Um, but I remember <laughs> when we came up with that, how proud we were. Yeah. And how we were like, this is it. This is our title. And it, it, <laughs> it was our title right then. It was. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, it evolved. Oh, that was our moment. <laughs> uh <laughs> Wonderful vocal register, sir. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, Okay. I am asking us another question, which is, oh, what is our favorite media about grief? This is going to surprise you not at all. I bet you could guess what I'm going to say. Uh, 
Star Trek. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was wrong. Majora's Mask. Oh. <laughs> oh damn it. I was going to say Zelda. <laughs> yes. But so here, here's the reason Star... Uh, well. So I have Baby Yoda on my desk. Aww. And obviously he is Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But I knew that Star Wars wasn't going to be the answer. <laughs> I think maybe Star Trek. Okay, of course, Majora's Mask. You wrote a whole chapter about that. Yes. Um, I only thought that you would you would know because I talked about Majora's Mask recently and you were like, that must have been a great session for you. You love talking about Majora's Mask. <laughs> <laughs> and it is Majora's Mask for me because the ludology... And ludology refers to the how of the game, like the game mm. mechanics. At least it does partly. And I think that Majora's Mask, the mechanics of the game, the way it is all structured, does a beautiful uh, job of simulating in the player the experience of both grieving and um, PTSD. Which, as I'm saying it out loud, it also makes sense that that game was one of the more controversial Zelda games that came out of the franchise, and many people hated it. And I think part of the reason they hated it is they were like, my god, part of, like, playing this game is, in many ways, uncomfortable and unpleasant. Mm. And it is, and I, it's meant to be. And if you're able to stick it out... I think the game, at least for me, my experience of playing that game was that it taught me how to be with grief and how to be with really uncomfortable feelings and how mm. to work through that. Mm -hmm. And the parts of the game that are really fun and are really light really help me in a lived experience way understand that you can be grieving and you can be miserable and you can still tell a joke and laugh and really find it funny. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm. Thank you. What about you, Captain? What's your favorite can, media can, about grief? Can you guess? Uh, can you guess mine? Um, Supernatural. Oh, that's a really good guess. Uh, but no, Lord of the Rings. Oh, sure. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lord of the Rings is my go-to for so many metaphorical reasons. Um, I mean, it's it's a beautiful example of perseverance and. But what I love about its look at grief is that we not only are we allowed to grieve, but that we have to grieve mm -hmm. and that we can celebrate life as well. Yes. Um, so uh, what do I want to say about that? I don't know. But I, I just I have the Annie Lennox song playing in my head right now. In the last. <laughs> I just. You you see all the characters grieving Gandalf when he first, yeah. you know, falls to the Balrog, and we mm -hmm. and we think that he is gone, and and everyone grieves, and the and the elves are grieving, yeah. um, and maybe it's Frodo. One of the hobbits asks Legolas what what the elves are singing mm -hmm. and and he says i haven't the heart to tell you for me the pain is still too near oh and I'm like ah, oh, yeah here we are here we are grieving here we are grieving together we are sharing in it mm -hmm. and we're not just jumping from 
our sage falls to the Balrog too. Like, yeah. okay, next thing. Like, right. no, we we have to pause and grieve for a sec. Mm-hmm. And then we'll move forward. Um, but one of the one of the metaphors for grief that I like a lot in in Lord of the Rings is when when Frodo is stabbed at Weathertop. Mm-hmm. And he comes back from it, but he carries the scar forever. Yeah. And that's that's sort of that's sort of grief. Yeah. Once you're touched by it, you will always carry it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it'll always impact you, but but you have it. I think that's really true about grief that we do we do carry it with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in Western culture, we focus on the possible negatives there. We think of it maybe as it being a burden or something that's weighing us down. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love about the way Lord of the Rings tells the story of grieving and recovery is this idea mm-hmm. that it's not, the grief doesn't have to be a weight, provided that you let what's happened really change you. Like Frodo right. has changed forever. When he mm-hmm. recovers from a stabbing. Same with Gandalf, who does come back, but he comes out back as Gandalf the White. And mm-hmm. in this, both in the writing of the book and the way that Ian McKellen plays it in the movies, there are, you can see the difference between Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White. And that's because mm-hmm. he's been through something that has changed him. And right. for Gandalf, it's leveled up his powers. And he was able to level up his powers because he was willing to go through the grieving process. If you don't let yourself go through the grieving process, then it becomes a weight because it becomes a pain that you then try to ignore and push aside and numb away from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just, I, I love all the imagery in Lord of the Rings about what happens after we die. Mm. Oh, Gonna get, I'm gonna get a little emotional because that imagery of you know the the veil rolls back and there's white shores like I just you know death isn't the end it's just so beautiful yeah and it's I love that in that universe we can both grieve we can be sad that someone is gone and also feel some comfort in where they are. Yes. And that by and large, we can still find ways of connecting and being close. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. And there's real sadness in it not being the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's, that gets lost mm-hmm. in Western culture yeah. is folks fall into the idea of, well, if there's an afterlife, then I don't need to be sad. They're in a better place. Folks do be saying that sometimes. Yeah, which feels a a little bit like spiritual bypassing. Yeah, yeah. And if you're new to that term, um, it's it's about like, I'm going to skip over this feeling with my spirituality. And it kind of feels like toxic positivity. It's a little toxic positivity because mm-hmm. um, you see this in all different cultures. Yeah. You know, it's it's not obviously we see it in, you know, particular Christian faiths, but, you know, also in in the in the yogi toxic positivity movement mm-hmm. for sure. Like 
So we kind of we we took a little dip. We talked about something sad. Let's let's pick it up, shall we? Let's do that. Let's okay. let's go with uh let's go with this one. Okay. So our next question. Um, uh, we haven't been reading who all is sending these in, but I feel like for this one we just need a little bit of context. Um, so this question is from the Twitter account Cool Pictures of Corn. <laughs> cool Pictures of Corn wants to know. You have a corn-related superpower. What is that power, and how did you get it? And I'm going to start by saying, as soon as um, we got these questions, because you sent them to me, I perused them. This is one of the questions where I was like, I'm really going to need to think about this. <laughs> because I ne- I can honestly say that never in my life have I spontaneously asked myself the question, what kind of corn-related superpower would you want to have, Spock? Mm-hmm. And I do have an answer. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not like super powerful, but it is something I genuinely wish that I had. I wish mm-hmm. that I had the power to actually digest corn, <laughs> because my human body has a hard time with corn. Oh, that's. I'm guessing that's not the answer that Cool Pictures of Corn was hoping for. <laughs> I know. So I like went back and forth on whether or not that should be my answer, but it is my genuine answer. So so there it is. Um, if I had a corn-related superpower, it would well oh okay. how did you get this how did you get the power to digest corn? You didn't answer the entire question. Wow, that's right. I didn't I did not. Um I guess I imagined myself being in a farmer's market. And there being some interesting, um, I guess, like quirky grower and seller of corn at the farmer's market. And um, that they, you know, they're advertising themselves as like, this is the corn for for you if you struggle. Or it's like magical corn, maybe. I don't know. Something quirky that would make me stop and listen. And then this person (laughs) would say like, and they'd be like, you should really have this corn. And I'd be like, I don't think so. You know, my body just doesn't vibe with corn. And they'd be like, listen. I promise this is going to be different. (laughs) And I would be like, okay, I guess we'll give it a try. And uh, my partner would probably be like, Larissa, this is not going to happen for you. But then I'd take it home and I would, I guess, like Google how to cook corn um, or how to cook corn on the cob (laughs) to make sure I'm getting it right. And then I would have it. It would be this amazing, life-changing experience. And then henceforth, I can eat all manner of corn-related products and derive both nutritional and energetic value from them. <laughs> this, is, <clears throat> this is now the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> um, I fucking love corn. That's wonderful. I I mean, I will <clears throat> I like corn in a fajita, I like <laughs> corn in a salad, I like corn in a soup. Wow. So if I had a corn-related superpower, it would be to just have corn in the food that I am eating. Like, I could just conjure corn. A corn conjurer. Wow. A corn juror. <laughs> Maybe this will be our next graphic novel. <laughs> Chronicles of the Corn Juror. <laughs> And the way that I got this power, we could sell it at the Minnesota State Fair. We could sell it at the Minnesota State Fair, right next to the to the butter sculptures. That's right. And this and the seed art. (laughs) Um, I and I got this power Mm -hmm. because 
right now. Yes. True story. I have two corn on the cobs in their husks in my kitchen that came in my imperfect foods box. I did not ask for them. Sometimes they just send you shit you didn't ask for. That's true. They do. (laughs) Um, And we keep meaning to make it and not. And I think it's dying. So this will be the spirit of the dead corn. (laughs) Wow. This is great. That is saying... That is saying, you didn't eat me, but I want you forever to eat my fellows. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's almost a curse, but like I'm into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is. Um, I'm really glad that we decided to do a Q&A. <laughs> I feel like so many, so many rich things have happened. So... <laughs> So many, so many wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you have the energy for a few more questions? We, we can try and pick ones that are that are quicker. Yeah, have more I'm just like we answer do, answers, we do like a lightning round. Yeah, we can just do a little, little lightning round and do do maybe like two to three. Okay. Um. Okay. So, are there any psychology concepts you want to talk about but haven't found a pop culture topic to connect it to? You know, I got to say there isn't because this is like what's in pop culture. Pop culture is yes. showing us psychological concepts all the time, whether it's intentional or unwitting. Sure. And we have a very innate talent of of finding of finding that. So, sure even do. if we have to pick from a really out there fandom, Mm-hmm. Like, we get it done. So I don't feel like there's anything that I wanted to talk about. And I was like, well, can't do that because there's no evidence in, right, in pop in culture for, for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. If anything, I feel like we tend to approach it from the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, why can't I think of the name? The podcast we did where we watched <laughs> NCIS New Orleans. <laughs> When we were talking about Mardi Gras. We were talking about Mardi Gras. Yes. Well, I think we did do approach it from the opposite angle. We'll, 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 we'll go with more of like some sort of pop culture topic like Mardi Gras. And we we're, well, with that, it wasn't even a pop culture topic. We were like, hmm, here's a holiday, Mardi Gras, anything that we know of that can connect to Mardi Gras. And we started with <laughs> NCIS New Orleans and just worked our way out. <laughs> sometimes we like a challenge because as you say... Like, psychological topics are, they're intrinsic to pop culture. Even if the person Mm -hmm. or persons who are creating it don't conceive of it, it's there. Right. Well, because here's the beautiful thing is, you know, if if you are a longtime listener, friends at home, you are well-versed in internal family systems, Mm -hmm. which is all about the parts of ourselves that, that come in and do stuff. And- we're not even always aware that they did that. Mm-hmm. So there may be a part of a showrunner oh. that is trying to express something that <laughs> that other parts of the showrunner have no awareness of. You know, this was foolish of me. 
um, when we were prepping for the show today because spoiler <laughs> you didn't put IFS in spoiler the alert listeners we had kind of it was sort of a rocky road getting here today there were many false starts that had nothing to do with the podcast but everything to do with life um, and so as I was like prepping when I had a little bit of downtime it I thought to myself that surely we're not going to be able to talk about IFS this episode <laughs> because it's the Q and A. And as soon as you started to answer the question, I was like, why did I think that? That was you foolish. Fool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Another, well, I think this one could be quick. Yeah. Which couple or ship most needs couples counseling? Uh, Cyclops and Jean Grey. Oh. I'd, I I know you have a lot of feelings about Cyclops. That's true. I do. Um, but like not romantic feelings. No, that's like, true. Not romantic feelings. Really like complicated feelings. Um, lots of disappointment and anger. Um, but yeah, I think they could really benefit from some couples counseling. Just mm-hmm. really at any point in their relationship in the franchise, you know, accepting maybe the high school teenage years. I don't really think couples counseling is appropriate for teenagers. Mm. Though... I've my understanding is that it's I don't know if it's becoming more popular to do it, but that it does happen sometimes. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is no surprise. It would be uh, Dean and Cass. <gasps> That's pretty beautiful. Which kind of dovetails. We have another question, which is uh, what character would you most slash least want as a client? Oh, and I would say that I most want Dean Winchester as a client. Yes. So. I think what I would want mm-hmm. is I want Dean. I want to see Dean individually. Sure. And I want and I want Kaz to come in as an adjunct yeah, to Dean's individual therapy. Mm-hmm. Therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't want to be <clears throat> their couples counselor per se. No. I I just I want to be I want to be Dean's individual therapist, adding in the adjunct <laughs> of of some joint sessions with Castiel. And also bring in Sam sometimes, bring in Jack sometimes. I mean, really, sure. there's a lot of opportunity for a for a holistic wellness of Dean Winchester. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, maybe you could do like a calling of Bobby's ghost. You could do sort of a therapeutic seance type situation again yes. using the IFS. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. What? Oh God. What? What parts of you are hanging on to to what what Papa John used to say? Mm. What parts of you are you know? Wh- why are you so resistant to embracing your bisexuality? Like, what is that what's happening to? for you? Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. we know that there are hunters of various gender and sexuality identities. Right? We do know that. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. What's what's wrong about being a queer Winchester? A queer Chester. A all right, how about least? What would you, who would you least want to see clinically? Mm. I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of a fandom where there are characters, Xander Harris. I would least like to see Xander Harris as my client. Wow. From Buffy. From Buffy. Okay. You want to break that down a little bit? Um. No, I'm going to change my mind. Okay, the other- I'm going to change my mind. Okay, and I- okay, anybody from the television show Friends. Oh, 
I would yeah. least like to see anyone from that program. I described that I that show has always bugged me, me a little bit, and yep. I've never been quite sure why. And it came to me oh. when I was talking to a client the other day. Okay, so I I can't recall what exactly was happening, mm-hmm. um, but you know we were looking for an archetype, and friends came up somehow, and I was like, you know what my issue is with friends. They are not archetypally interesting. Oh. They they aren't like, okay, so here are six people who like you can't pick one out and be like, yeah, you have archetypal value. No. Right? Like you can pull out anybody from Lord of the Rings and they have archetypal value. Huh. That is interesting. But you pull anybody out of Friends and it's like, so let's call on Ross to support us while we study archaeology? I mean, the, and I don't really know if this would work. Well, it might. For a Friends fan. Calling Calling on the community. Okay calling on your friendship community, calling on your fellowship. Yes. And I, I want to be real clear that I'm not trying to diss no, Friends fans. I'm not taking it that way. I was just really, like, something about it always bugged me and I couldn't yeah. figure it out. And now I figured it out. And it's just, like, they they weren't given enough, enough depth. No. No, they really... Yeah, Friends has never really worked for me. And I know that I'm in many ways in the minority with that. I know many people love Friends. Mm-hmm. And if you love Friends listener, we salute you and we support you in your love. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. If you if you find archetypal, archetypal value, mm-hmm. yeah, mazel. All kinds of value. If you find it there, beautiful. Sure. It's just hard to imagine Friends making an appearance on the pod mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. what they have done in the last like two minutes here. Right. Yeah, I just I I can't picture having any of them in session and knowing what to talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I don't think I'm the I don't think I'm a good therapist for any of them. Because what like what are we talking about? Yeah, no, that's true. You'd have to refer them out. <laughs> Maybe send them to like intern Emily. Um, yeah, I mean, she she would do well. Yeah, she's she's still you know, she's still learning. She uh she could use those relational hours. She could see the whole. That's right. She could see the whole group. You know, <laughs> that would be good. She's got she's got to amp up the relational piece. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Who 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 would you most and who least like I as most a client? And least like as a client. Part of what's happening for me right now is that I will periodically think i could do a lot of good work with different people <laughs> and i will say that to our producer i'd be like you know i could re- i could really do a lot of good work with them but i'm sort of like blanking on when i say that who am i thinking of i mean i recently said that about paris hilton because i recently watched the paris hilton documentary is that any good um it surprisingly yes okay i would recommend it i think we should think you should watch it and we should use it in our podcast where we talk about that and nexium um oh god i can't wait to talk about nexium <laughs> but i don't know if paris is the like the client i would most want to see she'd be a fascinating <laughs> one and you'd definitely be using internal family family systems mm-hmm. that is we got we have a lot of unburdening to do 
Um, mm. But I couldn't really do that with her because I haven't been full through the training process. So, you know, we right. have to you wait. Don't know how to, you don't know how to do an unburdening I, yet. I don't. I don't. I can do a lot of the things leading up to the unburdening, but I can't do the unburdening itself. And, you know, Paris would probably need to do a lot of like foundational mm-hmm. building before we could get to the unburdening. Oh, yeah. You could, you, you're you going to have to fight your way through a whole lot of mm-hmm. protectors and distractors before so you get to them exiles, boy. So many. So many. And they each have different voices. Learn that from the documentary. Um, so actually, you know what? Maybe we'll go with that. Maybe my most character for this year uh, would be Paris Hilton. Least, and this has shifted for me over time, but I think my least would be uh, couples counseling with Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Because I don't, based on their presentation on reality TV, and mm-hmm. that's all I really have to go on, frankly, I don't think that either of them would really be able to commit fully to couples counseling. Uh, that's super fair. And you know what's interesting? Mm-hmm. You picked real people. I did. I did pick real people. <laughs> I mean, like... All we know is their public persona, but you picked real right. people. When I do this thought experiment with myself, it is usually me like picking real people. For a long time, I wanted it to be George Lucas, but early George, when he was start, when he like was thinking about divorcing <laughs> his wife and like before he sold everything, I was like, mm, George really needed some help there. Now I'm like, I don't really know if I would have wanted to do that, even if you know there hadn't been that whole time differential thing. Um, but yeah, no. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess, I, yeah, I went for the reality stars. Yeah. Yeah. What what came up just then? Well, I was thinking, like, should I try to go to, like, the true spirit of the question and give up, give characters? But this was a lightning round. So there it is. So there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Do you want to do one what are our- final question or we want to call it? Um, Let's do one final question. Okay. Okay. What are our favorite and least favorite tropes? Oh, least favorite is definitely therapists who sleep with their clients. Oh, God, it's the worst. It is the worst. It, for me, it's best epitomized by that failed Netflix series, Gypsy. Gypsy! Not only did she sleep with, well, okay, she didn't sleep with her clients. She slept with her client's partner. Yes. And then she was stalking her clients. And then stalking another client's partner. And then her (laughs) former client, who she sent to an intense to, that she hospitalized. Like, that was the season finale. She came back. It was a real nightmare. Also, who has time to do all of that? Also, she wrote her notes by hand (laughs) in a spiral-bound leather notebook. That she Mm -hmm. carried with her on the train. (laughs) So many HIPAA violations. So many HIPAA violations. (laughs) And then she would have to drop off her notebooks to her supervisor to read. Even though she was fully licensed. Even though she was fully licensed. (laughs) Which, I mean, isn't a thing anyway. No. Oh, it was so weird. How about you? Let me, I still have to think about what my favorite one is because I got so upset about my least favorite. Uh, my least favorite trope is queer baiting. Oh yeah. Uh, are they? Aren't they? Like, uh, are they or aren't they? Just tell me. Don't let uh, stop this. Stop this. Yes. You know mm-hmm. this. It's it's 
it's 5781. Okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Queer people exist. Mm-hmm. Um, we consume media. Mm-hmm. We buy things. Yes. We would like to see actual queer relationships. And, I, and I'm happy to see that some of it is happening. Sure. But then my second least favorite trope is, well, okay. So I've got like three that are under the queer banner, right? <laughs> yes. So there's queer baiting. Mm-hmm. And then there's queer fridging. So yeah. like we finally get a couple together and we're going to kill one. Uh-huh. And then third is, you know, the queer villain. I do hate that. I hate that so much. And of all things, Zelda is guilty of that. Is it? It is. Um, the only Zelda game that I've never played um, Skyward Sword as a um, queer villain. Mm. Right. Which, like, it's it's okay for, like, people are all different types of people. But if your only queer character is the bad guy. Yeah. Right? Like, Sherlock's a great example of of this done well mm-hmm. like i love i love queer moriarty oh my god yes queer moriarty he's, is a delight he is a delight our producer is wondering why does it not apply in sherlock great question brian um <laughs> well okay so the reason it doesn't bother me yes. in sherlock and maybe it bothers other people i mm-hmm. don't know is he's not the only queer character Mm-hmm. like w- and i yes there's some debate there's there is a debate to be had about whether or not sherlock's sexuality is canon mm-hmm. in bbc sherlock um it just feels so canon so it does so it doesn't bother me mm-hmm. if friends at home if it if you feel like moriarty is an example of of the shit use of queer villainy yeah i i hear you that makes sense i mean i think that sherlock is an interesting example because i think you could make the case that it's guilty of many of the things that you don't like i think we could make the case that it's guilty of (laughs) queer baiting um oh god and they kill maury oh yeah oh did i just find out that one of my favorite things has some of my least favorite things in it you did and this this is an opportunity for, I think, listeners to understand one of the unique parts of how you yourself consume media. Personally? Me personally, personally? You, yes, you personally. Um, because I think that you are able to sit down with a piece of media, and if it gives you enough, mm-hmm. and I, I still don't know what actually is enough like what is your threshold i haven't figured that out yet but you know i have i have so many years of friendship ahead of me (laughs) we're gonna circle back to this in the 100th episode so i don't know what the threshold is but i know that if it gives you enough Mm -hmm. to play with as a viewer as a consumer you Mm -hmm. are then able to co-create a story free of all of the problems Mm. in that piece of media and i think you've done that with sherlock i think you definitely did that for um, the final episode of the new Star Wars franchise. Mm. Like, I remember after we talked about it on the pod, I got off and I said to our producer, I was like, you know, I wish that I could see the movie that Justine saw. Oh. Because mm-hmm. you make it something different. And you make it better. Mm. 
And so very much like the version that exists for you is different from what like is there separate from you. But when you get your hands on it, you create, you take it apart and you put it back together and you make something that's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, uh, I have magic fanfic powers. That's true. You do. I, I can do it in real time. It is one of your superpowers. Genuinely. Aww. Is that a corn power? <laughs> Well, perhaps it's partially fueled by corn since you enjoy you enjoy eating corn so very much. Um, did you get to your favorite tropes yet? No. Do you want, do you want a minute to think about it while I tell you? Because I've come up yes, with yes, that sounds wonderful. Yes, please. So one of my favorite tropes is um, the end of the world. Oh. Say more. I love a good end of the world. So like the hero's journey where like you're in like the pit of despair, you die and you have to be reborn. So the death and rebirth narrative. I love that. Mm. Um, most recently it was like best epitomized by Outer Wilds, the video game that will just make you sob and you'll just keep sobbing because it's that beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think I really love that trope. I think in particular, it really speaks to me over the last, like maybe let's say since 2016. Mm-hmm. because the more I look around, the more awake I become, the more I feel like we are living. We are living in a time of both death and rebirth. Mm-hmm. In, in literal and metaphorical ways. And the rebirth side of this trope, I think it really, it can be very hopeful because it offers us the opportunity to shift, to change, to do something else. You know, it's it's moving from Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you gotta you gotta be present to what's happening. You know, you really need to be with the fact that the planet is dying. It's not a belief. Mm-hmm. It's not you don't. It's not something you get to choose. It's something that's literally happening. And if all of us as human beings can get good with that, can really get good with it. And we have the opportunity to make some some really impactful change. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I like breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You love you some fourth wall breaking. I do. I love when it's done well. When it's uh-huh. done poorly, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> well, and I think Supernatural does a very good job. Maybe not all the time, but a good chunk of the time. Supernatural does a great job of breaking the fourth wall. I, the, the, and that's what came to my mind. Cause I, well, you know, got 15 years worth of apps to think through about what tropes I like or don't like on that show. And I did like so much French material. connection. Mm. So good. And then the 200th app with uh you know with the fan fiction musical it was amazing oh i haven't seen that up yet because i'm so far behind oh god Mm -hmm. you should just watch it you don't really it it's it's a good it's a good enough one-off i think i might i'm at a place now in my life where i'm like i don't if quarantine wasn't enough to get me caught up on supernatural is anything And that's not, this is not me throwing down the gauntlet 5781. Like, please don't, please don't take it that way. No, but like, it's, it's a good standalone and it just, it's, 
Oh, it's beautiful. It's just so charming. And, you know, we we get the characters in the musical kind of playing out what fanficers in real life think about the actors and That's very cool. You know, it's mm-hmm. just it's it's really cute and it it's it's self-effacing. Yeah. Which it, that show needs to do. <laughs> yes. Like make fun of yourself because you're ridiculous. Like I love you and you are beautiful trash. <laughs> uh indeed. Indeed. It, like it's please hashtag SPN fam don't come after me. Yeah, please I don't. like I, I I love I love and love to hate that show and everything about it. Well, and it's such a great example of the fact that like you really can love something and and see it's room for growth. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. There, like, it's, it has so many problems. It does. Well, really, like, that's that's the Spockian lens. Loving mm-hmm. something while seeing it's room for growth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think you could just watch the 200th up mm-hmm. without a lot of background info. That's good. Cool. And enjoy then it. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm writing myself a note. Plus, also, you get the the previously on Supernatural. Like, it'll tell you what you need to know for the episode. Oh, that's true. You're right. It will. It'll be like, here's a djinn. Here's this character you haven't seen in a while. <laughs> and you're gins. like, oh, this episode must have djinns in it. <laughs> or Rugerus. <laughs> oh, remember a chapter was a chap is a chapter six in the book where we just kept talking about Rugerus and then we went back to do edits and we were like, we need to mix up the SPN and like, do you know there's 15 years worth of monsters on this show we keep saying Rougarou. that one really was very present for us the day we wrote that chapter it was super present well is that a wrap on our, our 50th uh, Q&A this is so fun this is really fun I, I, I mean, it was really fun for us. I hope, friends at home, that you also found it to be fun. Yes. And thank you all for sending in questions. They were mm-hmm. really enjoyable. They were very thoughtful. Um, we look forward to doing this again at our 100th up. I mean, we might do it. Sure. For like earlier than 75th. that. Maybe 75 yeah. or something. You know, it kind of depends on uh, how, how much people like this and and uh, what 5781 has in store. Hey. Right, we we might get a lot of feedback that's like that was awful, interminable. Never do it again. <laughs> it felt like it was five hours. I kept I kept listening because I like you and I trusted it would get better, and then it never did. Oh wow! If if that's how you're feeling, uh, listener listeners, we're sorry and we appreciate you sticking it out with us. And we'll be back to our regular format in two weeks. Hmm. Mm-hmm. At with. Season three. Look me. Season three. This is our season two finale. Woo! It came a little Carry later than we planned. Carry on son. There'll be peace when you are done. I know it's it's too soon. Uh. <laughs> That's that was beautiful though. Maybe at, at the hundredth up, you can just sing that whole. At least the whole like first half of that song for people. Yeah, I mean, I can't sing the whole thing. That's no, that would be a lot. That's that would be a also lot. there's a lot of guitar solo. Yeah, that would just 
Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Let's take it. Take her home. Okay. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You're the A to our Qs. Join us for Season 3! And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends. And don't forget that our book, Starship Therapies, colon, using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life, is now available for pre-order anywhere books are sold. And if your favorite bookseller is not selling it, tell them that you want them to. Um, It means the entire world to us that you listen and we hope that you will read and as always live long and prosper right we're gonna sing okay (laughs) okay jesus right here we go well see you get to be annoyed that's i I wrote i wrote it that way you did you did because you really know me all right here we go (laughs) take one okay